Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Piet Coleman and Travis Doe. Merry Christmas and welcome to our Czech Christmas edition of the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow of the History of Germany podcast. One of our more popular podcasts was last year's Christmas show. And after receiving several email requests for a follow-up episode, we thought it'd be best to produce another Bohemian podcast on Czech Christmas traditions and celebrations. We will take you tonight across the great country of Czech Republic, from the punch town in Olomut Square to the, to the Christmas Eve feeding of the Czechy Krumlov Bears, from the green market of the Moravian city of Brno to the Christmas market of Old Town Prague. You will get a good taste of what the Christmas season is like here in Central Europe. Speaking of taste, we'll also walk you through the selection, preparation of the Czech Christmas carp. Mm-hmm. Recipe included. That's going to be special tonight, isn't it? I think we'll also have your son go through his letter to baby Jesus as well. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And Nathaniel will be making a little appearance later on in the program tonight, uh, reading uh, his letter to baby Jesus before he puts it into an envelope. And we're going to place it tonight on the balcony for the angels to take it this week for Christmas. Uh, so in other words, we have a really packed show this evening. To give people an idea not familiar with Christmas in Czech Republic, let's first run through the preparation of Christmas Eve day. Many Czechs will wake up on December 24th and start to plan out their day for cooking. The purchase of carp is something that we'll get into later in the show tonight, but for now, let's just say that you will want to have the fish cleaned and ready for breading later in the day. The house and the table will be set up as the day progresses, but this is all done on an empty stomach, at fasting if you will. If you do it right, you will see something called the magical golden pig. You know what that is, Travis? Mm-hmm. It basically is a hallucination from not eating and mm-hmm. fasting, so uh, it, it may serve as a way to strengthen one's appetite for the fried carp that will be coming later in the evening. I don't know. I, I've, after so many years of, of uh, uh, eating the carp for Christmas Eve, I've come to, to like it, actually. It's prepared pretty nicely by my mother-in-law. I you know, come to enjoy it. But it's funny. We talk to Czechs on occasion that we work with, Ch- Travis, and we say, are you getting ready for your carp? And they all have almost to a T roll their eyes going, oh, carp. We got salmon this year, or we, you know, we're, we're gonna go, we're gonna eat or, something different. Or yes, but that's because my parents and I don't want to insult my mother or something. <laughs> We've actually had this conversation that this this tradition might be strained a little bit with this with the uh, next generation. You know, uh, it, it seems like shame. it is a shame oh, because you know, that's <laughs> carp, a pity. carp is just kind of known here. So we will be talking about that preparation of carp as as the uh, podcast does continue. So here's the other problem that we have going on. We have to entertain the kids during the day which is also a very tough job as they are usually kind of out of sorts 
with all the anticipation of presents coming and that's going to be delivered later that evening by baby Jesus just after dinner. Uh, to keep them occupied, a marathon of Czech TV and movie fairy tales will run back to back to back to back all day long. Uh, and so also keeping in mind that baby Jesus is the stronger version uh, than the small baby Jesus that we know in the manger. Uh, this baby Jesus brings all the gifts and the Christmas tree as well, fully decorated. So I want you to keep that in mind. For, for a person married into a, a Czech uh, culture, this is probably one of the hardest traditions I've had to give up, which is not having a Christmas tree for most of December. I only get it on Christmas Eve with, when baby Jesus brings it, and then we're stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> Until the, June? No, well, into, at least through the Feast of Stephen in, in mid-January mid, uh, or so. And it really kind of hangs around until February before we get rid of it. Um, I'm already past the Christmas mood by that point. Yeah. Um, and I don't get the enjoyment of the uh, Christmas uh, tree during the, most of December. So as promised, I want to take you around the, the tour of the Czech Republic because certain regions in the Czech Republic kind of do things a little bit differently or they, they say they have a different type of Advent preparation or uh, Christmas celebration or Christmas market that's very unique to their region. One such place is Olomouc, which is actually uh, the uh, traditional Moravian capital, um, the very further east part of this country. Um, you can enjoy different types of punch in Olomouc, mulled wine and other hot drinks uh, that you'll see at pretty much in most Christmas markets. But what's, uh, what's interesting is the punch in Nuremberg wine that have become a very Christmas favorite and staple for the folks in, in, uh, in, in the Moravian region. The Christmas market in Olomouc, uh, known as Punch Town, quote-unquote, uh, is on the upper square and can be, you can enjoy wine and other punch varieties of spices, sweet and bitter to improve the rum, of course, Cherry brandy with a slice of orange in it is one thing that uh, is enjoyed there as well. Most of these places have Christmas markets. There's actually two squares in Olomouc that you will probably want to kind of go from one to the other. Uh, one will most likely have a stage that will have some kind of concert uh, that can range from different types of varieties of music. And the other would be more traditional with a giant Christmas tree and a very smaller Christmas market in comparison to what you might see in, uh, in neighboring countries like Nuremberg in Germany or uh, in Dresden or in Vienna, Austria. Now, if you were to go a little further south in Moravia, you'll hit to the uh, modern equivalent of the capital city of the region of uh, Moravia, which is known as Brno. Uh, the Christmas markets there are a little bit bigger, of course. What's kind of cool is that around the 6th, the 5th and 6th of December, when it's St. Nicholas Day, when you have the uh, St. Nicholas you have the devil and the angel walking around giving out candies or punishments to children. You can actually do this in the underground tunnels of Brunel, which is uh -huh. kind of really cool. Uh, and a little scary, to be honest with you. But as, as the Christmas season moves along, you're going to probably want to go see the, the Christmas stalls that you'll have in the Green Market, which carries a um, uh, storybook sort of feel of the holidays with candles and nuts and, and other straw ornaments that you can place on the tree. When you look at Prague's... Um, Christmas market. It, things have changed over the years a little bit. There's a little bit less Christmas market stalls this year, but mostly it's kind of the same thing year in, year out. You'll have some people selling like, you know, you know art, artistic renderings of, of Prague itself. Uh, you'll have some, uh, a lot of food places to eat, you know, pig on a spit sort of thing you, mm -hmm. can, you can eat uh, um, and those type of things. The Christmas tree is usually you know, pretty nice, but really it's the atmosphere that really is, is uh, um, kind of brings out the Christmas feeling when you go to Old Town Prague. Yeah, the tree kind of costs a fortune every year, and the decoration, like, they make a big deal out of it, like, who funds it, and who, you right. know, who gets to pick the decorations and all that. Like, the past few years has always been that, that the new kind of thing in the past few years of, of having some animation with the tree, where yeah. it looks like it's raining or falling Do they have uh, it this year? 
Yeah, yeah, I saw it during sure. the day, so I didn't see movement. with the lights on. There's yeah, some okay. movement with it, but yeah. it's always packed down there. So do yourself a favor if you if you get down to Old Town Prague is you know it's a little bit of it's not a lot of money, but it's just a little bit of an entrance fee to go up to the town hall tower and take the elevator or stairs all, all the way up to the top. It's a great view of the Christmas market, the Christmas tree, the Church of Chien, the, the whole the whole Christmas atmosphere from a very high mark in Prague is actually very beautiful. So. That might be a good place to go. Did last year, did you mention the Bethlehemske Chapel, the Bethlehem Chapel exhibit of the yes. nativity scenes? Yes. That's always kind of neat. They do that every year. That's more yeah. of a Protestant viewpoint, too, of, of seeing that uh, in the New Bethlehem Church, yeah. which is very close to the Vltava River and yeah. uh, close to Charles Bridge. So you can actually just take a, a short little couple That's block cool. walk yeah. to it. Because there's like all these homemade nativity scenes and all the artists and... And some are like really nice and fancy, and some are just like really simple, like straw, whatever. Yeah, and that's but. and it's also Our Lady of the Snow has something similar, and that's the Catholic version. If you want to see, oh, see yeah? that, okay. And if, if you go to Our Lady of the Snow, which is at the very base of Winchester Square, you can go in there and see. Um, I've never uh, seen a, that one. A really great sort of uh, exhibit of different types of manger nativity scenes, which is, which is, yeah. is kind of interesting. But you know, we, we talk a lot on this show about Prague, of course, because we live here in Prague, but. Uh, let's travel a little bit further down to the Shumova region. You'll come to one of the, the more beautiful cities that we have in the Czech Republic, which is Chesky Krumlov. And for at least the past four centuries, the castle at Chesky Krumlov has been able to boast their keeping of several bears. Bears have been kept in the moat between the, the first and second castle courtyards since 1707. The bear couple today, known as Volk and Katharina, both have a home at the moat with their two baby cubs. One of them, of course... Uh, died uh, in 1994, that would be Daxi. Uh, the uh, other one, Hubert, did survive. There, as Hubert returned to the moat in 2000, and he has a new little mate named Marie Theresa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the Empress, if you, if you will. The greatest bear festivals have been held to the castle on Christmas Eve for the past 10 years now. Celebrating Christmas with the bears was originally intended to be an assistance to parents to basically keep their kids under wraps, because they're, you know, mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. Kids around the world are going crazy because they're expecting Christmas uh, presents soon. Um, their schedules are out of, out of sync. They're not in school. So if you're a parent, you kind of know what I'm talking about. So a lot of parents would go down to the castle at, uh, at Chesky Krumlov and take the kids to see the bears. All right? So over the course of time, both young and adult visitors have begun to look forward to this bear activity during Christmas. So on Christmas Eve in 1997, a number of visitors reached about 600 people. On Christmas Eve, a group of bear friends led by the bear keeper uh, set out uh, for the castle moat at 6 a.m., placed several six to seven meter tall spruces decorated with sweets, gingerbread, biscuits, Christmas cookies, and other variety of fruits. All the cookies must be fixed on the thread so they they will dissolve when eaten. The first impatient visitors already began showing up at 8 a.m., and of course the entrance fee kind of helped uh, that um, sustain all the apples and sweets that the bears can eat. Children may also take presents down to the castle moat and place them there under the decorated Christmas tree. And all this is done under the supervision of the bear keeper who checks on everything, so make sure that the bears aren't Mm -hmm. harmed in any way, of course. And this only happens at Christmas Eve when you can actually get that close to the bear moat. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice. Uh, So very interesting sort of event for the kids. So they sing Czech Christmas carols, and the bears get their presents, and then the children visiting also get some presents. And 
so again, there's, you know, like sweets, chocolates, calendars, toys, for the riding bear, utensils. For the bears or the kids? Uh, well, the riding utensils <laughs> go to the bears. Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> the tires go to the kids. And they're all centered around the theme of bears in a certain way. By 10 a.m., the moat is festively decorated and there are piles of presents for the bears under several Christmas trees, like you mentioned. And then all the visitors have... They kind of left the enclosures to get, you know, from the safe place on the bridge where you can see them. They watch the bears be let out, and then the bears kind of go out to prepare delicacies with relish. Now that the bears have celebrated their Christmas, the children can go back home, satisfied that they've made the bears happy, and then guess what's waiting for them under the Christmas tree? Carp? Yes. <laughs> First you eat your carp, then you get your presents. Okay, that's how it usually works. So as many of you might know that that's a very familiar tune of Good King Wenceslas that we, we will be talking about in a moment, but that's a big part of Czech celebration of Christmas are the songs that are sung. Many are very re religious songs that uh, are sung at Mass or at uh, other gatherings, but there are some that are kind of world-renowned, and that's one of them. Uh, some of the oldest surviving Czech Christmas uh, songs come from the Hussite area in the 15th and 16th century. And that also is where the Czechs become more widely used to such music as it has, came to, has come to be heard uh, in the markets and taverns and places of noblemen and, of course, monasteries of the late Middle Ages. One of the best-known Christmas carols in the English-speaking world, that's what we just talked about, was, is about the Czech patron saint, St. Václav, or Wenceslas. The Good King Wenceslas carol was not a Czech-composed carol at the beginning. The tune originates from a 16th-century book of Latin songs discovered in Finland. In the 1800s, an English interpretation repeats the tale of a Czech patron, St. Václav, who is said to have risen in the night to, in his bare feet and visited the poor and even the prisoners to give them alms. That story goes back before the 11th century which, and was researched and written into song by John Mason Neal, who died in 1866. He was an Anglican priest uh, who was an expert in ancient legends of the early Christian writings and picked up this story on, on King Wenceslas, of course, who wasn't really a king, he was a duke, and put this into song and really kind of sent home the point about uh, seeing a poor man gathering sticks and setting out to carry a box of rich food to him. Trav, have you ever seen some of these Czech fairy tales that have been on television? How many have you seen? About 10 minutes of one. Okay, because what, what turns you off from it? My check sucks. Yeah, yeah that, that's what it is. Very rarely <laughs> on Czech television do you get English subtitles. When you do, jackpot. At least you can follow, follow along a little bit. My kids both understand uh, English and Czech. Their Czech is pretty strong, so they're fun just sitting there and just listening and, and, and being fine with it. And I can watch quite a bit when I'm told you know, about what's happening. But that gets old after a while, and I wind up taking a nap. The thing is, yeah, I, exactly. I, I just get bored out of my mind, and I walk away. The thing is that you can't uh, underestimate the importance of this, really. This is, this is like Rocky Horror Picture Show. They can all, they all know the lines. They speak along with it. Like, they can go up and reenact all of these things. If you're talking about these fairy tales that they show on TV, we're talking about movies from the 50s, right? Yeah, we have a couple of yeah. them right here. That, that Proud Princess from 1952. Maybe as late as, the latest one I see on your list is like 1973. Yeah. So these are like, you know, generations of them watching this every single year. 
they know it by heart. They know it word for word. Well, you know, let, let's go over a couple of them that, that I know most Czech families will be watching around the world. They have it on DVD or download it. You can download it as well. But The Proud Princess is one of the more famous ones that was produced in 1952. With no, no fewer than three works on the list, director Bojovoy Zeman uh, can be considered the godfather of most Czech fairy tales, as the tradition of making these kinds of films have been traced back to him uh, from the very beginning. And this particular story, this plot really centers on a princess whose charming gardener isn't quite what he seems to be. Once upon a time, there was a king in 1954. There is the princess and the golden star. You kind of get a theme. There's a lot of princesses involved with this in 1959. This particular story is about a beautiful princess, Lada, who wearing a golden star on her forehead has to flee when the evil king uh, invades her family land, storms into the palace, and demands her hand in marriage. The Incredibly Sad Princess in 1968 is another one, which is another Zimon film. And then, of course, one of the ones that you'll that uh, is very, very famous, that was famous during the Czechoslovakian days and the East German days, was Three Nuts for Cinderella in 1973. Maybe um, I could find a German dub version of that. You might. And fall asleep to that. You might be able to see that. But again, this keeps the kids from uh, keeping you crazy uh, during the time when they have so much energy getting ready for Christmas. Ever heard of Frosty the Snowman? No. Yeah, the basic Peanuts, ones. Rudolph, Peanuts Christmas. <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Come on. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Those are classic. I'll tell you. My kids have experience on both sides of the Atlantic. I mean, they, I, I made sure they, they see the Grinch. They see, yeah, uh, there you go. You know, the Grinch. Miracle on 34th Street. They yeah, see the Christmas you know, story. The Wonderful Life, the Christmas story. Uh, Peanuts, Charlie Brown Christmas, <laughs> you know, but yeah, they have this version as well. And I, I kind of like that they uh, have uh, feet in both worlds when it comes to Christmas traditions in this sense. We talked about this as one of the preps of the story about the preparation of Christmas carp. We really need to dive into that because we mentioned this last year and we had a lot of emails telling us, uh, is that really true? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It, it is, is like sacrosanct. Do not mess with the Christmas carp. You can hit it, just don't say that on Facebook. Christmas and carp really go together like hand and glove. So, and it's, and it's, also, it's also a Slovak thing. It's not just a Czech thing. And surprising to some, Austria and the French Alsace region also have, at least partially or in parts of their history, consumed carp as part of their Christmas tradition. And now in what is now the Czech Republic, first mentions of carp for Christmas stretch as far back as the 17th century. And widespread consumption, however, is traced only to the 19th century. And the original fried carp recipe still used today has been attributed to Magdalena Dobromila Retigova, who died in 1845, who is considered by many to be the mother of Czech cuisine after having compiled recipes which now characterize the food Czechs call their own. And this is important, Travis, because it depends who you talk to. People might think because there was such a rich history during the Middle Ages of having these carp ponds, to feed people meat, which was somewhat scarce in the Middle Ages. To get meat was uh, kind of a rarity. Mm -hmm. So carp ponds were grown, uh, were, were, were set up all throughout the Czech Republic, especially in Srebon, um, which is uh, you know, a, a place well known for its, its carp production, even today. Uh, however, you know, the tradition of eating carp on Christmas is kind of a Johnny-come-lately sort of idea when you talk about the 19th century. Yeah, but we, we might have mentioned it before on some show, but because they're originally from China, so they're not even... But, but it, is, it is a fish that can live in a small pond and survive the winter. And so we gave the numbers before, I'm sure, but like in the Middle Ages, there was something like 13,000 carp ponds because of, you know, just for the source of protein. It was something that the peasants could eat and afford. And Carp is a very bony fish, 
So you know you have to have a bowl for your for your bones that you might you might not be able to take out during the preparation. It could be breaded, it could be fried, of course. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can make it, and we'll talk about some of those recipes uh, in, in just in, in shortly. All right. So Travis, when you get to the point of looking at getting your carp, some people do it the day before, or a couple of days before. Some people do it the day of Christmas Eve. Uh, and getting your carp is not that hard to do in bigger cities because all you need to do is walk outside a couple blocks and it's there. There's one right outside of my house. Is yeah, it? yeah. And it's, it's a guy wearing a big coat and and big rubber gloves. He's got one of those normally one of those big blue vats with a bunch of fish swimming around, and you pick one out. Not the dead one floating at the top. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you get a live alive. one. Yeah, right. Now he can do one of two things. He can give you the live one in a baggie you can take with you. Right, mm-hmm. and you can take it home alive, or he can clean it for you right then and there. Mm-hmm. All right, there's yep. a little table for a cleaning station where he'll hook gut it out and and uh, and uh, do that. I think he leaves the scales on because the scales are actually a part of the tradition of, of, yeah. of holding on to it. Because at Christmas dinner, you take one of the scales from the fish and you put it in your wallet, mm-hmm. and it, that means you'll be fortunate financially for the next good year. Do you have a carp? Scale in your wallet? I do not have a carp scale in my wallet. Have you ever? I could use more money this year, so I'm going to say yes. This year I might ask my mother-in-law for a scale. Remind me to steer clear of... (laughs) I think you've got to clean it first, but whatever the case. Ardiferous nature. We're going down the rabbit hole on this one. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so finding the right one is is, is important. It is uh, an acquired taste, right? Uh, It's something that some people uh, will kind of put up with, and then maybe the next day they're doing something else, like roasted duck or... Or something along those lines, but it's it's kind of hard. Now you you actually going a different route this year with your fish selection, for, for yeah. Dinner, so right? uh, yeah. So and I think we've done this. It's kind of a tradition for us. Like we we go the fish route, but um, we don't starve ourselves beforehand. So no golden pig. We have a huge breakfast, and then like normally we just go for salmon. So let's talk about how to prepare this. And one uh, one of the uh, recipes that I found that I think would be. Uh, pretty straightforward for fried carp recipes, is the breaded fried carp, which is for one serving. And I'll go down this very quickly. You need 300 grams of carp, uncleaned, 10 grams of salt, 20 grams of flour, one-fourth of an egg, 0.05 liters of milk, 40 grams of breadcrumbs, and 100 grams of vegetable oil, and a whole lot of hoping that it turns out okay. Again, I think we tried this back in the States, and it didn't turn out all that great. So we really needed the touch of my mother-in-law to send this home because it, uh, again, as you said, Travis, when done correctly, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Right? So you debone, remove the skin, and clean the fish, pat dry, dip clean uh, fish fillet in salt or flour mix, or the salt and flour mixture, and then egg milk mixture as well. And finally, the breadcrumbs will finish that off. Fry slowly until hot until golden brown. So very, uh, pretty much a simplistic recipe on the whole. That will take care of the fish. And, of course, you have what you know, many will call German potato salad uh, that you serve with it as well. So that, that's something that is uh, also delicious. But the, the, the thing that we want to also talk about are the Christmas sweets that come with the course of... Uh, All right, now you're talking. Okay, the Christmas sweets are actually very, very good. Okay, I'm with you. All right, there's, there's several different choices now, Don't that disappoint me because there's also bad choices here. Okay, well, the first thing is this. Have you, have you ever had Hawaiian bread back in the States? Oh, yeah. All right, this is the taste of Hawaiian bread a little bit, if, if I okay, got it right. That's, that's good stuff. It's called Christmas Vanochka, and it's, it's basically a Christmas bread, all right? So it's on the sweeter side of things. All right, so it, it is uh, basically a bread that's kind of braided bread, and you might put some almonds on top of it as well, uh, a thin layer of butter on top, is, and, and uh, it talking. actually is very good. It's a little dry, but again, got a sweet taste to it, and that's something that it will be on every t- check table. 
So you have to have it. So you can look that up um, uh, online to see exactly how to make that. But among the other Christmas sweets that you'll have is a custom of of seeing and and preparation of many tea cakes for Christmas. These small uh, cut-out shapes from linzer dough, nut, coconut, and uh, cocoa dough have jam and, and buttery cream in between, sandwiched in between, and they're decorated with sugar and chocolate sauces. Those on are top, good stuff. I right? eat those all year round. And they're not. They, they sound like they might be a little moist, but they're what not. What are those called in Czech? In German, they say Linzer Eye, like yeah. Linzer Auge. So it's just Linzer dough, and and what they do is they they dry pretty well, so you can actually pack them in a Christmas tent, and usually you take them over when you're invited to a house during the Christmas season. Delicious. They're very actually pretty good. You can down a lot of those. In Czech tradition, you're going to you're going to basically do everything you need to do on Christmas Eve, Travis. You're going to um, watch your, your fairy tales. You're going, to do, you're going to eat the Christmas carp. You're going to hear a bell ring. The kids will lose their little minds because baby Jesus has just brought the Christmas tree in the other room uh, with the presents. You go in there and you have your Christmas celebration. That's not it, though. All right. If you can still manage it together at that point, you need to get yourself down to mass for maybe the midnight uh, service. You get back and then you party. You're going to be really tired because... Much like through almost every building uh, that you're going to have here or community in the Czech Republic, your neighbor's going to want you to come over. And the neighbors will give you a whole host of alcoholic beverages that you pretty much stayed away from for the past 24 hours. All right, yes, there'll be Pivo, beer, uh, but there'll be Bekarovka, there'll be um, Slivovitsa, there'll be some uh, herbal made liquors that you'll be drinking um, that uh, are basically like moonshine, <laughs> the Czech version of moonshine, um, that'll put hair on your chest, basically. And so after doing that and kind of eating more and more as the night goes on, about 2 or 3 in the morning, you can call it a day. There's really is a big difference in me you might see in the States with getting up early in the morning and starting Christmas on the 25th. By the time, that you, by the, time the States are waking up doing that kind of thing, uh, everyone's kind of sleeping it already off. Already done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're already done in the Czech Republic. And lastly, you know, we mentioned this on last year's episode, um, Travis, on Christmas superstitions. Let's not read through all of them before we close out the show tonight. But there's some that relate to the Christmas dinner and Christmas Eve itself that are very important for most uh, um, Christmas celebrations in the Czech Republic. One for being uh, that there no light should be lit in the house before the first star comes out, as it is. Uh, uh, dinner will be served at that point, right? So that's another preparation. Travis, what are some others? Well, this one's actually not much of a uh, superstition, but more of a scientific fact. And that is that the table should be set for an even number of guests, because an odd number of guests bring bad, brings bad luck or even death. No one should be sitting with their back to the door. Okay, no alcohol should be served on Christmas Eve. I haven't seen that all together. Yeah, that's that's something I've... I say, maybe we make it way through the day without any beer or anything, but uh, as Christmas dinner is eaten... Once the carp hits the table... It is done. All bets are off. (laughs) All right, you're drinking like a fish. Maybe I I missed that someplace, but that's something I I haven't seen. And uh, no one should ever get up from the Christmas table before the dinner is finished. Very true. Because doing so brings bad luck and death in the family. (laughs) Yikes. Bad luck and death. That's not good. All right. You know, the Christmas dinner should consist of nine courses, including soup, bread with honey, carp, potato salad, fruit, dried, and some other assorted issues uh, with dessert. Apple strudel, of course, would be very good. Uh, the Christmas bread we talked about. When you get used to these traditions, uh, it is not the culture shock of the first few years of getting used to them. Uh, you, c- you, you come to adopt them as your own. And I know I have in my household to a certain extent, and I... Uh, my kids have, and uh, it's something that we find I find very enjoyable at this time of year to celebrate it in this manner. And uh, it, it it's something that I, you know I do look forward to. And Travis, one thing that I know that my my son has uh, 
uh, has to do tonight is actually write his letter to baby Jesus for the angels to pick up his envelope off our porch and take it because if we don't get it out tonight, he hasn't written it already. It's a done deal. Oh, he's written it. But see, oh, he wrote okay. it in English. Oh, okay. He wrote it in English, and my wife made him write it in Czech. <laughs> the poor kid doesn't know how to write in Czech. Because <laughs> baby Jesus only speaks Czech? <laughs> Evidently, yes. <laughs> so so here's the deal. We get home tonight. I, you know, uh, uh, you could help him with that, right? Exact, exactly. Well, we talked about it last night on the English version. And actually, let's, let's go to that right now because uh, uh, we, have that, we have some audio from that. Dear baby Jesus, was I good the whole year to get these presents? I want Lego Snow Super and Hobbit Legos uh, with Lord of the Rings. And I want Giovanni uh, and in English is Ninja Turtle. Can you bring me some baseball stuff? I would really need them, and if I was good, then bring me most of these stuff I have. And I'm looking forward to Christmas and uh, thinking about you and how you was born. Okay, so Nathaniel's got a list. Now, this list is in English. He needs to translate it to Czech. Uh, you heard him say, um, uh, you know, the Czech version for Ninja Turtles Lego set. So he's already starting the process of thinking about that. Will he get that? We don't know. I also mentioned that not everything on that list is bought by Baby Jesus. Uh, maybe next year. So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, what he gets. He has been a good boy. Uh, my daughter's been a good girl. Um, she's 15 now, so she's still uh, uh, hanging in there uh, for Nathaniel's sake <laughs> with everything. So I think this will be a, a, a very entertaining Christmas uh, at the Coleman household. So Travis, what's going on at your household besides having the salmon that you planned? Um, well, I told my wife that all the Christmas presents are late from Amazon, so so she expects nothing. But everything's arrived. Sneaky. It's all, it's all good. All right. It's all good. Don't publish this until... Oh, no, wait. <laughs> it's, it's going out tonight, but she doesn't no, wait, listen. No, wait, wait. She, she doesn't, doesn't listen. She doesn't listen. She doesn't listen. You're, we're good. We're good. We're good. So, yeah, otherwise, it's pretty pretty American Christmas. So the, the presence on... Because she's Costa Rican, and she does... They, they basically follow the American. So it's kind of a mix between German and, and Costa Rican, which ends up being kind of Czech and Costa Rican, minus the carp. I think most people will will understand if you've married into a, a Czech culture, you can fight all you want <laughs> again to maybe incorporate an American style of tradition, but you're going to wind up losing that battle. Yeah, uh, Costa, Costa Rican's pretty pretty yeah. American. Yeah, it, it's, it's I think the Czechs just are very very entrenched they in even, how they do things here. I, I don't know what kind of advice I would give to anybody that uh, maybe either you know suffering through the idea. <laughs> Of, of adapting to these these cultural issues for uh, you know a very important holiday, but I, I think I, I would tell you that uh, to embrace it with open arms, and before you know it, you'll be coming to you'll very much enjoy uh, you'll the, be the culture. Choking on a carp on a carp bone. <laughs> Go to the hospital. Well, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in for this entire 2014 podcast season that we have. Uh, it really has been a great year for us in the Bohemian Podcast. Uh, we've uh, done so many shows of, of various varieties, and um, I, I think we, we look forward to 2015 having a, another great year. This is our last show for 2014, and uh, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous new year, and we'll see you in 2015. Thanks, and have a great evening. 
You have been listening to the Bohemican podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemican Podcast, thank you for listening.